What's up, everybody? Greg Chapman back again with another edition of the Gentleman Gorilla Small Business Marketing Podcast. Today, I am joined by an expert cannabis grower and a soil, uh, I guess, enthusiast or knowledgeable expert, um, <laughs> uh, Randall Patton uh, with the Torbus Group. Uh, Randall, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about the Torbus Group and what you do with them? Um, yeah, I'm Randall Patton. Um, I, like I said, I founded the Torbus Group three years ago. Um, well, about two years ago, actually, really. Um, we're a consulting company that really was starting out directed towards cannabis-related businesses. Um, it's kind of evolved into uh, agriculture in general. Um, we have a few different projects we work with just regarding just plants in general. So Nice. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, so I know that you used to work for a pretty big cannabis company in the area. You were one of the founders of them. Um, and then I imagine before that you've been growing and working in the dirt as well. Is this something that has just been a part of you your whole life? Is this kind of a more newfound... The cannabis? It's just uh, like having a green thumb, gardening, yeah. growing, farming. Yeah, you know, kicked in. I've learned about it around 18 when I started to consume cannabis and uh, realized why buy it when I can grow it, to be quite <laughs> frank, you know, and then realized I could also sell it. So I started growing cannabis and instantly realized, yeah, it was, I had a green thumb, but I just enjoyed plants. Um, you know, I've taken that knowledge or that passion and, you know, I collect rare endangered cycads and palm trees and other types of plants as well. And Cycads? Cycads. What are, uh, what are cycads? Cycads are they're technically probably the oldest living plant on the planet. They're here from the Mesozoic era. They're here before dinosaurs. Um, so they're the, they call them living fossils. They're basically um, a very ancient just plant species that you know, originated in Africa and they're you know, on all the continents. But, um, so I collect those and propagate them and create you know, new plants to kind of keep these things alive on the planet. It's, uh, Kind of just something to do while I'm on this experience of life right now. So, nice. is there like would I know what a cycad is if I saw it? Like, is it pretty recognizable, or is it like kind of just blends in with the rest of plants? Um, if you've seen a sago palm, a sago palm is actually not a palm tree; it's a cycad. So, sago palms are pretty common in San Diego. So, if people are familiar with the sago which, palm, which one are those? There's the I know there's like dozens of kinds of palms. Yeah, like I said, it's a cycad, not a palm. It differentiates in the flowering. Uh, cycads are actually in the conifer family, so when they flower, they're like a pine, like a cone. Um, they're quite used in landscape all over, Psych uh, palm, you know, especially Cycus revoluta, which is the sago palm. But um, you Is know, that the one to... where, like right at the end of its life cycle, it has a stalk that shoots straight up like 30 feet? Those are agaves. Are they? Yeah, agaves, and those are monocarpic, so they flower once and then die. Uh, cycads do not. They're... They'll keep cranking along as they flower. They'll flower and keep growing, and they're pretty hardy plants. They're pretty bulletproof. So something fun that I've spent my time with in life, and just, you know, it's neat. I have some plants that are extinct in nature that are no longer left in the wild, so I have them in my house and propagate them. It's something that my soul likes to do, apparently. So. It's kind of a, an interesting aspect. Like, it's completely endangered or extinct, you said? Yeah. So you have literally the last 
living plants, or well, not, at least they're in collections. Outside so they're, of they're propagated, and there might be numerous of them in collections. But in the wild, where they originally origin originated, there no, no more left. <clears throat> Excuse me, none left. The certain colonies are gone. So is it just from like human expansion, or because of the climate's changing? Or um, they just don't naturally really live anymore outside of special I think a lot of it generally, especially the African stuff, came to farming. When they'd come to plow the fields, they just rip these cycads out. Or, um, and obviously some human collection, even some of the rare colonies, you know, people would go and poach and, um, you know, steal them really to put in their collection. Um, they, a lot of the African plants are microchipped, so everyone's got a number so they can wave a wand and keep track of them. They're, um, they're on like CITES 1 appendix blob whatever they feel like they're they're all protected like black pandas and rhinos and some really? of those species but they're just plants so not all of the cycads are but a lot of the encephalitis the african cycads are so i had no idea that there was such a i guess technological force behind protecting plants so you don't really think about being able to like chip a plant i yeah. guess yeah they chip they drill a hole put a little microchip in there so they're numbered and track them of course people still unfortunately poach those and stuff there's a big black market unfortunately that thrives i guess unfortunately you know around the world people yeah. collect them and sell them so yeah i guess that makes sense i don't know I've anything got... of value people want right I yeah mean, it's like oh i want one of those i gotta be the guy that has the last one which instead of you know which is obviously a very selfish way to look at you know the plant whereas you know i mean if you wanted to look at it for the worldwide i think I get keeping them in collections to propagate them like I'm doing to keep them around, you know. And at the end of the day, I could also say that maybe if there's only one left in wild, it makes more sense to put it in a garden where you can propagate it to keep them around. Obviously, just going through the proper channels and not going out and stealing the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what they had to do with the pandas, right? They had to, I think so, they had to basically right. take them out of the wild and mm-hmm. try and breed them. Yeah. Because... They were just dying on their own. They were too far apart to breed or something yeah, like that. California condors, I'm sure, stuff like I'm sure there's a point where, unfortunately, when, you know, humans do have to interject, I guess, occasionally at times to bring things back, you know. Um, so I think if the intention's right behind it, then it's okay. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of um, animals being taken off of the endangered list that we really focused on bringing <laughs> back. Like, I... I don't know. To be quite frank, I, I don't. I haven't. I haven't paid much attention to it. So, I don't know. I I know like the killer whales numbers are going up. Yeah. Um, the bald eagle. I think that was to a point where it was like within like ten. Okay. It was yeah, like single was, digits um, right. left. I think in like the nineties, people yeah. were just shooting the shit out of them. Yeah, it's sad. It's a bummer. It is. People paid a little more attention to these things. But. Right. But people are starting to wake up. And Indeed. kind of uh, understand that the plants and the animals are extensions Im- of ourselves. Important. Oh, exactly. You know, it's not humans versus the world anymore. Yeah. It's kind of having to be the world with the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, start taking care of each other instead of uh, taking from each other, right? Exactly. So it's important, definitely. Very important, that's for sure. Right. So you said you got into it when you were 18. Would you pretty much just kind of start in your own backyard? Was it, did you um, get a job randomly? Uh, well, to be honest, you know, I was sitting there bored one day and decided to just start smoking cannabis on my own. And I uh, always had an entrepreneur gene in me. Apparently my dad was self-employed. Um, 
you know, I hustled candy in middle school, you know, making like 50 <laughs> bucks a day selling Blow Pops, Jolly Ranchers, right, you know. And so, as I learned, decided to just literally smoke cannabis on my own with zero peer pressure. I just something, I heard the voice say, start smoking cannabis, so I listened to it, called a few friends. Um, my entrepreneur gene kicked in pretty quick and realized, you know, why am I buying this? I shouldn't have to pay for it, you know, so... Of course, I went into selling cannabis, but within a month, I realized, well, better yet, why am I even buying this when I could just grow it? So that's how I got my you know, green thumb started. But, um, you know, I think uh, I was 18. I grew like one plant at my mom's house. Um, then next year, I ended up dating a girl that lived out in uh, Valley Center, which was wide open, and her dad was a cannabis consumer, so he let me really go off. And then um, at the time, I was working for my dad, who owned a convenience store, so everybody knew me as the owner's son, and uh, one of the customers was willing to use this house as an indoor grow, so I was, even though I was only 19, I guess, uh, kind of opened the doors because they knew I wasn't going to go running off and bail, I couldn't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so ended up, I think, renting the first house to grow out, and I was like, might have been 19 still, or 20, so I had my first indoor grow, and I guess that would have been 95. Damn. And um, to be honest, the first crop I ever did killed it, you know, and I just was blessed that, I don't know, I just was it's what I do. It's just it's just my divine gift, I guess, that's given to me to grow plants. So it's fun. I enjoy it. So it's it's pretty lucky that you got to find that so early in life. Yeah, and you know, funny part is I'm going to college, you know, not knowing what the hell I'm going to do when I grow up, and I'm growing cannabis, and I'm dealing cannabis, and I'm going to school not knowing what to do, and 25 years later, I'm still growing cannabis. <laughs> so, you know, it was right in front of me all along, you know? <laughs> that is fun. It's, uh... God, it's crazy. Now that, um, like, my business partner, Joanne, she's working on putting together a cannabis course for, like, SDSU. Okay. Like, awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. neat. It's, 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 it's uh, evolving. It's coming into the light. It's come so far from, because in 94, 95, that was right when um, the first medical went, right, in 96. California? 96. 96 was... Um, Prop, was it Prop 215 started in 96, and then it turned into SB, SB uh, Bill 420, which I think was more like 2002. But I think the original medical the medical marijuana program was 96, Prop 215, I believe it was. And then um, took a few years of evolution of um, getting creative with it to do it properly, and then try to do it for, you know, under the collective... Um, you know, the collective diagram that we kind of started, everyone started to implement to try to be legal and try to do it right to provide medicine for patients. So then, um, I think it was 2002 when the SB 420 was written and came out, which uh, then allowed doctors to recommend cannabis and obtain collectives and have collective groups to grow their plants for them. So we were able to um, basically take their recommendation and become their caregiver, so to speak, and uh, cultivate medicine for as many people as you signed up for your collective. Um, so that's how we were trying to do it right back then. Um, I guess, you know, we were, we were doing and we were creating it as we went, obviously. Um, some people more than others, obviously Steve D'Angelo at the time was huge on that um, forefront. Um, I was just more, I guess, one of the foot soldiers at the time trying to take it out and use it and work it and prove it in courts. And um, it worked for the most part, yeah, absolutely. So it was, it was, it's, it was always, I've always been in, my whole life's been the Wild West, to be quite <laughs> frank, so, you know, it's uh, figuring things out, it's what I do, apparently, I don't know. So you pretty much just stepped right into that medical scene. Yeah, like, yeah. Started growing, and then a couple of years later, the medical dispensaries popped up. 
Yeah, medical dispensaries. Actually, a guy I grew up with went to my high school, opened, I think, the first dispensary. Oh, I think it, it could have been pre-Harborside even. It was like in Vista, actually, believe it or not. And um, I remember him opening that up, and this was like way back, man. Um, and he ended up obviously getting shut down. And you know, and then the games began, the cat and mouse games open up, get cease and assist. Um, but it was a beautiful system. Cease and assist isn't, you know, criminal. So you just pay a fine and you stay open. And to be honest, you made enough money to pay the fine in the meantime, so you just paid the play, you know. And that's kind of the system we that was played um, for a long time. So it was okay. It was a fair trade. You were able to provide medicine. The right. city got money, and it was all everyone was happy. I mean, it's a win-win, right? right. What was it like? Because uh, I imagine for a while it was fairly underground, and then I know at one point it became like a very public, like uh, professionally run business for you. Yeah. What was it like, kind of taking it from being basically your hobby that made money to like this is we're doing this for real? Because I imagine that was a pretty big leap. <laughs> Yeah, that was huge, man. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I mean, it was it was exactly what I needed. It was beautiful. Um, well, you know, even what we were just spoke t- spoke about, you know, up until it really took about till two thousand eight or nine to really see the collectives and the dispensaries really become a common method for that um, propped RSB four twenty. Um, and then, so we ran with that model, I guess, up until I mean, I think it, you know, technically still going a little bit, um, but. Till about 2015 is when I was looking at, um, I don't know, I guess just the industry and where it was going. Um, and happened to have a brother-in-law with a Harvard MBA and thought I would ask him to be my landlord and went to him and was like, hey, brother, you, know, well, you want to buy a building to be my landlord? I'll pay you great rent and be good return. And not quite realizing what his skill set was as business. You know, he, we, he picked my brain for three days. We put together a business plan, and at the end we ended up Actually, at the end, he's like, you know, give me a week. So I left, went home from Santa Barbara, went back to San Diego. Um, called me a week later. He's like, yeah, man, I don't want to buy you buildings. Sorry. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for your time. He's like, no, man, we're going to start a company. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, shit, let's do this. <laughs> Even better. Even better, yeah, you know. I mean, so uh, a few months later, we came up with the name Candescent. Um, and, you know, basically, I think Desert Hot Springs was the first municipality in California to legalized large-scale cultivation um, and we got the first we got I think we were the third conditional use permit which basically allowed us to start construction um, but we got the first certificate of occupancy so it was um, kind of a milestone I guess that was kind of cool to say you know we we're technically I guess the first legal licensed cultivator in a municipality in California so that was kind of neat um, yeah and candescent you know just turned into a really beautiful journey that I needed to go through. It was a lot of learning, a lot of lessons. It was probably the, you know, it was a paid internship, really. It was <laughs> the, the experience that really allowed me to find myself in life and figure out who and what I want to be for, you know, the rest of this journey and the industry. So I, it was fun, but I only lasted until <clears throat> um, 2017 when I left. Just had some, a lot of stress, a lot of different things, medical reasons. I went on medical leave and then um, in March, and then kind of by June, you know, we kind of got to a point where we agreed I wasn't going to go back. Um, so uh, I just left in June and just really got my health issues that I had built up over my life. You know, a lot of it was just stuff I built up my whole life that has finally manifested at that time, you know, with that final stress ball of 
being in a whole new world that was legal and it was all beautiful and fun, but it came with a whole lot of learning and discomfort. And at the time, I was I didn't have the personal skills to understand discomfort and what was going on. So it kind of uh, crashed me, to be quite frank, you know, and yeah. really, uh, you know, put me in a spot where I had to really reflect on this whole my life and what I wanted to do here. So it was beautiful, actually. It's good. Incandescent's still doing great. So it's neat to see a creation, you know, still strong in the industry. And I hope the best for them and all that. I'm no longer part of it. So, but I hope that, uh, hope they kill it, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're very, uh, I feel like they're one of the few brands that got their message right, their branding right. Yeah. Because they kind of created the, um, I guess the, what would you call them? Like they took away like the strains right. and then just used like the effects right. as like yeah, the yeah. branding. Yeah. And I think that really struck a chord with a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it was also set a tone in the industry for how to brand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and truthfully, you know, that's something, um, where Adrian picked, you know, I mean, Candescent's basically my mind put into reality my life's work that really took from my typical customer base to um, what I learned through all the processes of owning dispensaries. And so when Adrian and I were speaking, for him to wrap his mind around it, um, you know, I mean, honestly, it wasn't rocket science, man. Everyone would come into the dispensary and be like, hey, we want something that makes us sleep. We want something that makes us clean up. We want something that makes us creative. I mean, so I just listened to what I heard through years of experience. You know, I wasn't into dispensaries personally, but um, the gentlemen that were, you know, managing and running them for us um, would give me the feedback. And honestly, it just seemed like a no-brainer because that's really all everyone would come in to and ask the bud tender, how do I want to feel? Or tell me, give me something to feel this way. So um, honestly, I just thought it was a, giving them what they wanted, to be quite frank. <laughs> I mean, that's good business, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Find out what they want and then give it to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, so. uh, I mean, I imagine that's got to be like a very, a very interesting realization and transition, kind of having everything that you've built for, God, almost 20 years and then realizing that it's not what's for you anymore. Yeah, yeah. It was... It was, you know, it was at the time it was really hard on me um, because I'm like sitting there, you know, most people are like, oh, your dream comes true. Well, you know, there's this old saying that be careful what you wish for, you might get it. Mm-hmm. I find that to be true in life all the time, to be quite frank. <laughs> um, I find life to be an oxymoron, to be really honest. Um, Pretty much daily. Every Oh, yeah, all day, every day. I mean, I could laugh at it now, though. That before I didn't have that skill set when I left Canada, you know, right? So I learned that along the way now that um, this is something I've picked up since, but um at the end of the day, you know, it's all good. I don't have a judgment in me. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. I love my brother-in-law. It's just my, the way I do things, the way he do things was different. That doesn't make it anything except for that's just not my, not, not how I roll with certain things. Things, you know, things I wanted to do, you know, he want. it's, it's really just, it's all life sometimes is getting into a spot and realizing, okay, cool. This is, um, I have a little bit of different ideas of what I like to do. He's got his, no hard feelings. Let's just move forward and keep trucking you know yeah but uh and i mean you've moved on to now you've started a new business over the last couple of years right yeah after that after i left candescent i really took about two years off um okay and just found myself i guess you could say um it's when i met you in that little window Mm -hmm. obviously it was just cool um 
So I took two years off. I took from 2017 to really about, okay, about 2019-ish, two and a half, really, to uh, just ride my bike and get my health back. Um, reflect on everything I wanted to do in the future and what I was about and my mission or my purpose and, you know, my goals or what I wanted to accomplish and how I wanted to accomplish them. Um, and so in 2000, I guess it would have been about 19, we started, I might have started Torbus in 18 thinking I was ready for work, but I wasn't yet. And I think, so I think we started it, but, you know, I was still kind of on my, I call it my good one of going through a, I guess a transition of mindset that was actually quite brutal. Um, I so I'm sitting thinking uh, I'm ready, but I was nowhere near ready. That's, that's <laughs> or the universe wasn't ready, I should say. That's know? exactly. I thought I was ready, but the universe wasn't. That's exactly what happened with the gentleman gorilla too. Yeah, like yeah. I launched it three and a half years ago, but it took until about a year ago until it really started to catch. Like, yeah. Not just in the world, but like with myself too. Like what it was supposed to be. Right. Yeah, I hear you, man. And um, that's the trippy part, right? Because it's like, you know, you go, I went through this beautiful year and a half of just, it was quite brutal at times, to be quite frank, Um, you know, but it was amazing at the same time to find this whole new way of life, so to speak, of, you know, seeing the world in a whole new way. Um, I was excited to get out in the world and, you know, go out there. But, you know, what the lesson was, was the way I used to roll didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I went out and I used to be able to make it rain, man, all day long. I could do anything I wanted my whole life. And then um, after I left Candescent, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get back out. And everything I tried wouldn't work, you know, and nothing I tried to do would man up, would materialize them. And it was trip because I never had that problem. But um, other synchronistic things would show up on their own that I never looked for that have become now my focus. That I'm like, I'm into it long enough now to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but at this point, I'm... So it's basically like you, in a trickle. <laughs> you evolved past like what you knew of yourself kind of b before realizing it. So yeah. like you were trying to be the old you when you had changed. Right. And you, you didn't realize yet how you had changed. Well, I kind of think I knew how I changed, but I didn't realize the method to the new way of working, you know? So the way I used to roll, you know, just making things happen worked in my younger life, um, so I don't know, you know, it's really hard to explain and put in the words. It's just anything I tried to do, nothing would go right in human words. It was perfect in the spiritual sense, mm -hmm. which, of course, you know, that's where another oxymoron is, right? And so and at the end of the day, I realized, okay, I just focus on my um, spiritual growth. So, and to be quite frank, anything in the material world just takes care of itself. So, you know. I found that to be true for sure. <laughs> I think I think that the more effort you put into taking care of your mind, body, and soul, the more whatever happens to you in life just unfolds the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it feels Almost without effort. It feels pre-written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite frank. Yeah. And when I look back on life, I feel like life looked... I think it was always pre-written. I just thought I had a lot more role in it for a while. Um, but I look back and I, I'm old enough now to crack up at all the dots that... Oh, wow, I just happened to start doing this. So I just happened to know the first BC guy. I happened to be the first guy I knew who grew indoor. I just happened to say, I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> There's yeah. too many little pieces lining up for it to be too much of a coincidence. No such thing as coincidence. <laughs> no. So I'm curious, because um, you seem to me as a person that has kind of successfully navigated through your own spiritual journey. 
um, kind of reforming yourself is to align more with who you are actually like deep down. Like yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. So like you dove down, you found out like who, what your, I guess what your base operating system is. And then now you're starting to implement it in life. And I'm kind of curious what you did for yourself to be able to look inward and to really start listening to yourself. Cause I know that's a problem that a lot of people have is like, how do you find those pieces of yourself? A lot of effort. I won't lie. I mean, I put in the work, you know what I mean? It didn't just happen. It was a process. Um, I was blessed to be put in a position to have the time on my hands and, you know, not lose everything and have my bills covered while I was able to. And I think that only happened because I was fully focusing on myself. And because I fully focused on myself, I was taken care of when I look back. Because I think if I didn't focus on that, I probably would have kept losing things. But I was somehow blessed enough to be aware that maybe I should start working on myself because everything's going away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it started out when I left, honestly, when I left the candescent on medical leave and I really looked at myself and really, really reflected. The first thing I went out and did was get a mountain bike because I knew to deal with my sleep apnea and some of my medical issues. It was going to take a few months to get through the insurance process. So I got a bike and started um, working out again, getting cardio and taking care of uh, my temple, you know, my body, right? Mm Mm-hmm getting that going and then I had some issues with uh yeah I had sleep apnea real bad um when I did my sleep study there like dude you I don't know how you're alive you barely breathe right and so and I had that for like eight or ten years so you know when you deplete your your brain or your supercomputer of oxygen for that long you know you're fucking zombie to be quite frank I hate the part of my language but that's the only way to describe it. it is a fucking zombie so um I was in a real bad mental spot through that so I did that and then as I address those initial layers, so to speak. I also got to the point where I realized maybe the alcohol and these other substances I've been participating with uh, aren't needed as well. Um, and I actually ended up you know, quitting drinking and cannabis use. Um, so, and as I did that, you know, I, um, I kind of started to realize, okay, so I'm doing all these things, I'm working on myself. Um, and then I decided somewhere in there to, um, I don't know, I got to see, it sounds, it's so funny because when you, you know, it's the same story. It's like all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I, something told me to start meditating and I never really meditated in my whole life, but I heard, you know, you need to meditate. So I started meditating, you know, and then, you know, you're in meditation and you just hear these things that you, I used to think it was me thinking them. Now I realize it's just me hearing, you know, and so I'm listening and I'm hearing like, you know, like the question, who am I? Why am I here? That typical, what's the... And then, you know, I started to search, search earnestly, I guess you could say it, you know, seek with all of your might, you know, and the more I looked, man, the more just everything just started, like, opening up, I could say, you know, and the more I started reading, and the more I started doing this, and then it got to a point where, like, what the fuck's going on, I better, I gotta keep going, <laughs> you know, and it really, you could become in the vacuum, man, or truthfully, once you're in it, you're not coming out, in my opinion, I don't, I don't, if you chose to something, it'd be, it's, I don't know why you ever would, you know, so I just started searching and reading and looking into everything and really realizing that truthfully, there's really only one underlying story that manifests through a zillion things on the planet. And once you kind of tap into that awareness, it's all around you when you start paying attention. And I guess when it's time to find, you, you find it, you know, because it's kind of hard not to, to be honest, if you're paying attention. Um, so I just read a lot and just kept my meditation and 
as I got those things in order, I, I realized there's then after the drinking and the cannabis use and just the other medical things, um, just getting my balance. There's a lot of other human conditions that we've been conditioned or programmed our whole life into forgetting who we are, man, and, and then addressing all those. And, um, you know, that's, it's like a daily chore, but, um, it's a trip, man, you know, just doing the inner work, really. You know, just, just kept doing the inner work and doing the inner work and doing the inner work. Um, and getting to a plate play of at least starting to see the signs and following the signs and putting in the time and reading and being blessed to have the time to do that for literally 24-7 for two, three years where that's all I did was, was self-work, you know. Um, didn't even really want to come back to the industry. I was fine never working again. I was completely okay with what I found and was happy being there. Um, it was a really beautiful place of renunciation, realizing you really don't need anything on this planet. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really all things we were told we needed, so to speak. Um, and to find, like, could sit there and laugh and go, wow, man, I was a monkey monkey. I got all this shit they told me I needed. It's like, I don't need any of it, you know? None so it's like, it. I go get stuck chasing my tail thinking I have to have all this material bullshit. But none of it fills the hole inside of happiness. The only thing that does that is yourself and, yeah. you know, and finding yourself. Um, so, yeah, it was it was intriguing uh, a few years, you know, that was, um, honestly, it was really quite brutal at the time. I mean, I guess I'll go into the whole, you know, decent one. Winter Solstice of 2017 is kind of uh, this Kundalini, I guess what they would call a Kundalini awakening experience, and my world changed in one day. It wasn't a slow thing. It was a literally a two-day window where all of a sudden I was psychotic, I thought, you know. But then, of course, everybody started showing up to guide me through it. So it was a beautiful, crazy um, time. Um, <laughs> I don't know, honestly, it's, it's hard to talk about this because it's like, wow, blows my mind, you know, blows my mind. It, uh, I don't think it's meant to be an easy experience, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think, I think that it's like for me, like I came from just such a general comfortable background, just, you know, middle class suburbs, good education, all that shit. Comfortable. Keyword, yeah. Huh? The, the growth and comfort. I just, I feel, I felt like I didn't know anything about myself. Right. And so I had to. So what I did was like I intentionally put myself on the bottom in like every way possible. Financially, new city, like minimum wage job, like just everything and like forced myself to have nothing for a while. Yeah, and that's where me and you balance because I had too much fear to ever do that. You know what I mean? Definitely. I um, I would have never made those choices. That's like why I think like big reason why I did the cannabis because I made a lot of money really easy um, in my comfort zone you know it's a trip it's such a weird oxymoron I, I didn't want to be out of my comfort zone for a long time you know and then doing the candescent thing was probably the first time I actually really got out of my comfort zone in a way to really deal with all my shadows so to speak and what I needed to see um so I hear you man but good on you for making that conscious decision yeah. I, I couldn't it had to be forced upon me <laughs> <laughs> I mean I feel like mine was kind of forced upon me in a mm. way like because I kept building and building and building, but kept running into brick wall, brick wall, brick wall. And I realized that something wasn't adding up and I needed to do like a base reset. Yeah. Otherwise I would keep just failing Yeah. because it, I just wasn't doing things. Well, you're never failing. You're always learning. Exactly. Yeah. Like, well, I think that 
Well, I mean, I still want to stick with the word failure. I just think that people's understanding of what the word failure means is a little bit different <laughs> to different people. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you know, like, to me, it's failure means lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it yeah. didn't used to, but now I understand. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to get that one. <laughs> you know? That's it's for like, sure, brother. Like, it doesn't, it, like, it used to be, like, if I lost a client or someone decided not to, you know, not yeah. to sign with me or anything just didn't go the way it was planned. It was like, well, fuck, burn it all down. Like, and now it's like, no, I get it. Like, we're just not, yeah. well, it's I guess not I our time. I guess I reflect that in you because honestly, I didn't know what failure was most of my life because I honestly never felt like I failed. Everything just went really well for me. And honestly, I don't know why it still worked with how I was, but it always really worked out for me. I didn't really know what failure. I literally could make anything happen, but you know, as somebody very near and dear close just recently told me is I was able to take a lot of things within me, those cords of fear or confidence or separateness, and I was able to stash them so deep, 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 deep down inside, I actually still was able to navigate the world in a pretty good way, even though they were still in there, because I put them so far behind that I didn't know they were there, and I forgot about them, so part of my life I worked really good, and, you know, and then they all had to come out at some <laughs> point, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, mine would come out, like, always at the key moments in some form of, like, self-sabotage. Self-sabotage, bro. Keep beautiful word, two words, actually. It would be like, why do I keep doing this to myself? Yeah, right. And it ended up always being, like, this isn't what you're meant to do. Right, yeah. It's like thinking we know better. You know, but at the time, those those are all lessons we have to go through. It's cool you're able to see that it's like the old analogy, you know, it's a definition of insanity, banging your head into the wall and or, you know, doing the same thing, expecting different results, right? You know, exactly. the fact that you're able to recognize that. Some people never get out of it, man. I, I it's sad. I, I still see that so often in society and in the world. Around. But you know, I can't judge, man. Some people are very content doing that, and that's not my journey. So. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. The world is much more difficult once you see outside the rules, outside the constructs of man, I guess. Yeah, the conditioning that's been laid, yeah. I call it, in my opinion, I call it the conditioning, the layers that have been placed on that universal mind that they, it's it's a mind construct that they keep themselves mm-hmm. in, right? That we all did, I mean, but for a long time. there's steps to success within that construct. Like Absolutely. Mo- moderate success, but, yeah, 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 yeah. like, well, success comf- in comfortability. The success in the material world, right? Exactly. So, but yeah, then once you break through that, you're like, fuck, like this is pure chaos. Yeah. And then you almost need to get to a point which can only come over time when you start to see that everything happens when exactly when it's supposed to and always right in time for when you need it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That gets to be one of the trippy ones. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. That takes a, took me a few years to get my mindset around it. Well, that's why I was getting out with a few years. Like, um, and when I used to be able to make anything happen and not, it's um, you know, and to be honest, to this day, you know, really all I do all day every day is um, just behold the world and collect data and watch it, um, and then figure out where at some point I want to really interject myself because, or if I ever want to interject myself, I'm not sure yet. I, I literally just watch it and. And I also know that, you know, it's all reflection, right? So the more inner work we do, I mean, it should just all dissolve at some point anyway. So the more of us that we get together and like-minded people, them, you know, get into a mindset that can dissolve a lot of those old constructs, and it's that powerful, right? 
That's exactly it. And I think kind of as far as business goes is it, um, it changes your mindset on what kind of business you want to do from, <laughs> right. from basically being something of a profit model that attributes to just a capitalistic system of make a product, sell a product, make your money, spend your money, like just that system to starting a business that is actually intentional in bettering the world or a community at some point. Absolutely. And not even for now, but for, for generations. in the future. Yeah, yeah, generations. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's a like, beautiful statement, man, what you just said. It, it's super true. You know, it went from, I, or you could make it simplicity and go, it went, I went from selfish to selfless, you know? Yeah. Like for myself, it went from like doing marketing and sales to teaching other people how to get their own power through their businesses. Yeah. You and could give them the fish or you could teach them how to fish. Exactly. Right? You know? And for you... I know that now you're working on a new project, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so this is the Torbis Group, right? Yeah, yeah. So is it actually so when I was in my little state of being a few years ago, I was really not really ready. Like I had shared, to, I was completely content moving to Himalayas and living with monks. <laughs> to be quite frank with you, which I want to do for like at least six months of my life. I, I'll join you, brother. Let six months of silence sounds wonderful. It sounds so beautiful, <laughs> right? I mean, I try to live it every day, but then we get into these situations, yeah. and I understand we part of the show is speaking, so we're doing that. But um, you actually hear so much more when you're just listening all day. Mm-hmm. It becomes really beautiful. It's funny. It's 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 great actually. So I hear you. We're going to do that. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, two years ago when I was really not in a point of even wanting to do anything, um, my, my son's friend in high school, they're still seniors, uh, has, he, he told his dad, I guess, you know, that I was in the cannabis industry. Um, and they had this paramagnetic volcanic foamed rock. And they were like, oh, we got this soil, we got this... Uh, fertilizer and you know they weren't even really sure what they had to be honest but they just were like that's yeah, paramagnetic volcanic foam rock i'm like okay cool you know yeah, whatever all right. <laughs> sweet, sweet. <laughs> you know at that point you know one of the big learning curves i mean first off most of the products in the cannabis industry are a joke to be wrong it's been like that i mean the end the cannabis in the industry the picks and shovels is a lot of the obviously the industry um most of the products sold aren't needed i mean it's uh you know and on top of it, they're mostly chemical-based ways that um, take everything out of homeostasis and really don't help much. Um, they might help your yields a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're not beneficial. So um, they came to me with this rock, and I was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm used to hearing all these, hey, we got the best this. We got magic water, you know, even you know, magic water is going around now for people who haven't heard that one, uh, magic water. And they're like, we got this, like, magic rock, right? And I'm like, okay. So I ignored them for a while, to be honest. I, I had a few meetings. They were nice guys. Um, you know, and at, at that time, I was already reading all my books on everything, all day, every day, quantum physics, um, you know, Bhagavad Gita. I mean, you name it, I was just reading, tapping into anything and everything all day long, reading tons of stuff. So, um, you know, about four or five months after meeting them, I was, they kept calling me and reaching out. And I'm just like, okay, maybe there's just, maybe this is one of those signs I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Because most, most people wouldn't keep calling you this much when you're just ignoring them. So I'm, I ordered these uh, said, well, a couple books from Dr. Philip Callahan, um, who's the, uh, he was a PhD entomologist, but he kind of discovered that soils that were high in paramagnetic readings, um, stimulated the biology, like creating, you know, basically boosting the soil food webs, low energy organic system and keeping it thriving. So, um, 
as I got these books, it only took me about five or ten pages to go, oh, wow, okay, I, never mind, I know why I'm here, you know? And, uh, you know, the guy's really more of a spiritualist, naturalist, than he was a scientist, um, but he was smart enough to go get a title, so he could play in the Matrix, and someone would take him serious, you know, so give the guy some credit of learning how to interject him into a system, but with the right intentions behind himself, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, as I read the books, I really was like, oh, okay, I get this, you know? Um, you know, I grew hydroponic rock wool cannabis for my whole life with chemicals and I'm, I'm looking at this whole process going oh well you could create these regenerative living soil food webs with um you know these stimulated frequency that's you know frequency that connects everything that's penetrating into this biology um which is what this paramagnetic uh, attracts so to speak and basically you do chemical free farming you know and then i start reaching out of course i happen to have a few buddies that have been working on it 10 years so i had some good resources to tap into and talk to them and they're like oh no man we're, we're showing firsthand results you know i'm getting our soil food webs dialed in you know your plant you know becomes balanced you know in my readings i realized or i learned that you know when a plant's in homeostasis it doesn't ferment releasing ethanols and ammonias which attracts insects so when you bring them back to balance they you no longer attract the insects so you don't know you don't need the insecticides anymore so um you know obviously adding chemicals for it's like the pendulum you know the first pendulum swing is the chemical nutrients the second pendulum swings because now they attract insects you price pesticide and you're just batting shit back and forth the way that people were trained for a long time little to know of course that mother nature has a way of doing everything without any of it you know but of course you know it doesn't make a lot of money yeah so you know, um, but we have a system that's been educated for a long time on these chemicals and what they're for, and um, that's what's been trained in the colleges for farmers, and that's all they know. So, went down this whole wormhole of soils because of this uh, company, Cinderite is the name of the company it ended up becoming, and decided that um, you know, I could stand behind this project. I guess, to be quite frank, this is something I can stand behind, and I feel good about standing behind, and the reasons um, the mission feels good, you know. Um, so I really went, put my a lot of education time into reading about soils. Um, I'm someone I like to learn a lot, but I also realize there's a point to where you hand off. So I got some buddies who that's all they do all day, um, and that's where I kind of trust them from there on out. You know, because I get a, I mean, I guess the word that could be used in you know Western society might be ADD. I just get bored easy, and I like to learn a lot. So one thing bores me quick, so I could get to a level where I could wrap my mind around it completely, but mm -hmm. at some point, you know, if somebody really, that's what they want to do for a living, more power to them, because I can't do one thing. So well, I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm very much the same way. I get it. It's like, great, I, I, I want to learn about everything on the planet, almost, but then I kind of realized the more I learn, the more it's all the same thing, so I really am kind of just, you know, it's, it's okay, so there's one fractal that seems to show up everywhere. So, you know, I need to become a specialist on all that. Right. There's only one thing to really become a specialist at. <laughs> it's basically yourself, I feel like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yourself, exactly, right? Know thyself, know all the secrets of the universe, so they say. <laughs> it seems, appears to be pretty true. I've, I feel like it pretty much is. Yeah. Um, so, so how are you uh, implementing the soil now? It's it, uh, so you're turning it into an actual business now, right? Well, so Torbus consult, we're technically consultants of Cinderite, so I don't know really, I don't like titles. I think they sometimes call me director of cultivation, but whatever. Um, so really, we 
I guess really what we've done, my partner works with the CEO on the business aspect, and then I work um, really setting up all the plant-based kind of um, foundations for kind of the mission and the, you know, technical support type of things, how we're going to use it, where we use it, what it does, kind of getting the message out. Um, I guess, you know, creating the message and, and making it available for the world, I guess is what you could say. So I've been working on that a lot that the last few years. Um, so we're just, you know, it's just it's fairly new. You know, we've just been, I think it started three years ago. And anything, like I said, I mean, anything worth a damn takes a while, to be honest, I'm realizing now. Um, so, and when you're really, I'm learning a lot about this is just re-education, you know, because you go out into these environments and they just, they, they've had things that have been taught generationally from colleges that, um, I hate to get too, I'm not conspiracy, but you know, these colleges are paid from these companies that have products to sell. So they're really just fronts that where they're getting their mess, they're teaching their message because that's the message that makes them money, you know? Yeah. So our colleges are very tainted by that money stream. I mean, colleges are businesses now. They are, yeah, absolutely. Man. I mean, everything. You know what? Everything's a business in this country. Yep. That so. was a, I don't remember where I heard it, but someone made the statement that it must be exhausting to be any sort of adult in America because every single decision that you make has to be centered around, um, like, your profit or loss. Like every every single decision now, whether it's a post on social media or where it's you're going perception. for lunch, they're master perception. Mm-hmm. I call them master magicians of reality. You know who can look the shiniest and who can look the best. You yeah, know? And, um, and that's always people been the that game. are really good at it. You know, and it's all for sale. So you know, you pay how much money's in your budget. It's all marketing. So how do you create that shiny object for people to think you're the next thing i mean that's definitely the game of business that appears on larger scale but that's okay you know once you learn to play it it is what it is you can't hate the player or no. hate the game they're all what they are right so you learn to adjust and just yeah. be accept and okay i can play too <laughs> that i think that's the right mindset like i call i call it that all the time it's like by the time i'm done playing the game i want to have this this and this because mm. then it is it's not the important thing in life to me Right, like, absolutely. Like, I look at it, my business as a game. Like, it is my life because there's a mission behind it. Right. But, like, the actual business aspects, it's like, all right, like, can we bring on this many clients and make it work? Mm-hmm. Like, what pieces do we do? Like, it's, like, if you broke down the pe- all of the pieces and put them on, like, a board, and you're like, this is everything you have to do, you would look at it, you're like, all right, this is a game. Yeah, it is a game. Like, <laughs> That's can why I you do better than the other I can people? play with the board. <laughs> Hooray, mushrooms. And when I'm on there, you know, I sit on my mushrooms and I look at the board and I place my pieces where I want to place them in. It's the game. <laughs> that is the game. It is such a fun game. It's a beautiful game, though. It's fun, you know? I mean, it's all here for the right reasons, right? I mean, it's, it's definitely a lot more fun once you learn that it's not going to be like the end of your life. Don't take it so fucking serious. Yeah. Nothing you should know. be taken serious. Like, and then once you learn that, you get to choose who you do business with. Like, it's like, yeah, you get to choose your teammates. Like, I mm-hmm. only do business with people that I enjoy being yeah. around. I don't, I don't know. care how much they're going to pay me. If they make my life hard, I'll walk away from it in a heartbeat. Well, eventually they quit coming in. If you've done enough inner work, you don't, they, go, they go bye-bye. <laughs> they're gone. you gotta get, you got to find yourself first. They just though. don't feel... There is kind of a natural barrier there. Yeah, I think it creates a you know an armor. You know, eventually, you do all the inner work. You know, you attract like attracts like, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to attract all that shit to learn. You know, but then once we kind of realize who we are, you know, they go away. 
you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's that your vibe attracts your tribe, like in truth. Absolutely, like, man. Soul buzz. Yeah, once you kind of pass that barrier, and it's, it's only a small percentage of people that have passed it, but like I can go into an event with 200 people mm-hmm. and find like the one or two other people. That yeah, have no, because they'll look at you eye to eye, and it's really easy to see. Everyone else is stuck on a freaking this frequency where they're just not aware, and then you see mm-hmm. the one person who's aware. It's really easy to tell. You're, everyone's look, the person who's looking around checking everything out, that's the, one. <laughs> yeah. the most people aren't, you know. I don't know. That's what I've noticed. I, I, it's not a judgment. It's just an observation. I think that's you definitely know? true. And it's... I'm there for the show. I'm in the shows <laughs> at the people and everything. It's not the music. It could be, you know, wherever I'm at, it's all a show. The people are my favorite part. Yeah, right? They, it's in, right? You know, my son has this really beautiful way of putting it. He's like, yeah, Dad, so this is, this is my 19-year-old kid, right? And he's like, yeah, Dad, we're either, um, you know, so we're born, you know, and some people, you know, think we're just extra, you know, you're extras and you're in a movie, but you're extras. He's like, but then when you remember you're the main character, shit gets real. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking pretty good, kid. Like, take notes, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's true. And it's that once you remember, you know, you are an extra, you're an effect until you realize, no, I'm a cause, you know, and I'm not the extra. I'm the main character, man. What are we going to do? <laughs> Let's have fun. This is a video game. <laughs> That's exactly. It's that, it's that stupid quote, like, be the change that you want to see. I'm not stupid. It's, I love that. It's one of my favorites. It, it's, but it's, it's so powerful. it's so true. Yeah. Like, if you want something it. to change, just become it. Be that change. Yeah. yeah. It's a powerful hologram we live in. Exactly. <laughs> it's because everything, everything in this world is just action and reaction. Yep. And if you want something to be, you need to create a reaction based upon your action. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, that's still in duality, though. I think in singularity and grace, everything just is. You know, I think you you can rise above that. I think so. I think that the action and reaction lives in the constant ebb and flow yeah. of the universe. Yeah, true. And kind of its natural fight to be in the balance. Kind of the universal law. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess the more centered you stay in it, the less you see that. Mm-hmm. And everything just sort of unfolds, you know? But yeah, it's true. I guess everything does have to... Oh, we do live in duality, unfortunately. I don't know. This is where it gets to a point of, <laughs> hey, we got to go down some wormholes this, right now. Maybe we should do some mushrooms and have, do another podcast about the duality of everything. You know, the problem with that, it's, the, it's not a problem. My first three to four hours, I'm just gone, and it's an inner journey, so you wouldn't get anything out of me except for maybe some That's giggles, fair. maybe some cries, maybe, you know, some... But, you know, after that, I'm good. So we, I can prep four hours and then yeah. start talking. Yeah. I'd love that, we'll actually. A little journey I have a lot to come, say. The next four after. hours, I have a lot to say, to be quite frank. But <laughs> <laughs> That might be what we have to do. All right. I'm oh, down. Yeah. Sign me up, brother. Right. Um, fuck. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, where would people be able to find more information or to be able to connect with you if they want to learn well, about? Honestly, you know, it's a... I'm kind of an interesting one. I, we do have a website. I haven't popped it up yet. Um, most of my work, honestly, just comes from being in the, you know, whatever flows in and attracts in, to be honest. I don't really advertise. I don't really do too much. It's so what he's saying is, if you're interested in his line of work, comment <laughs> on this or send me a message no. and we can get you connected. Yeah, probably is the best way to go. I, you know, I'm actually, you know, I have been just for shits and giggles. You know, we're getting the Torbus. We're kind of getting the team back together. Because like I said, this was kind of, we're at the initial stages of real building this. Uh, well, we're not building anything, honestly. I just sort of let the pieces come in and how we um, end up working together. It's all starting to happen. So we're in the beginning stages of that. Um, so, But I was going to start an Instagram page for the company here pretty soon, maybe, possibly. I have a website. I just don't have it live. Um, 
I know a lot of people might say it sounds lazy. I just don't find I really even need them, but at the end of the day, I'm just doing it because I find the more I put my thought into those things, then, of course, that's what tends to, you know. Take your time, you know, your energy. You know, well, it gives me something to focus on, and it allows me to know where and what I want to create, you know, but then they just sit there. I don't know if they're needed or not, to be quite frank. I think, you know, a lot of the world thinks we need a market, but I, I don't think you do. To be quite frank either. with you. <laughs> no, I think this is the most important thing, just meeting and meeting. Thank you very much today for joining me, Randall. Yeah, brother. Thank you, man. Good you time. Got it.